Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of the Euro Trips podcast. Uh, my name is Andy and uh, I am the host of, of the Euro Trips podcast where me and three other lads just talk about football. Um, so um, I'm here with our usual regulars. I'm here with Ryan, Naeem and um, Alex. So how are you boys? Doing very good, thank you. Doing very, very good. It's exciting to, exciting to be honest and talk some European football because it's uh, very interesting at the moment, as we were just saying off there. Yeah, yeah. It's um, unlike the Premier League, it's definitely more exciting, isn't it, in those leagues at the moment? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. And how, how are you two, Ryan and Naim? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Yeah, I'm all good. Just glad to be on. Nice three day weekend now. Yeah, God, God, that's bank holiday, haven't you? Best. Best time of year, isn't it? This with all the many days you get. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, if anyone listened last week, you'll know that Alex wasn't in. So, um, this week, I'm going to allow Alex to quickly introduce himself. Um, so, if you just say who you are, what team you support, and um, who your favourite player of all time is. Oh, sure thing. Um, uh, uh, the, the team I support will be fun. Uh, so, yeah, I am Alex. You might have heard me online as Euro Expert. Uh, name I got stuck with because that's the only one that went viral. Um, well, fire was a strong word. You might see me on Arsenal Fan TV, other channels, or on Twitter, just spouting my usual nonsense with a bit of an ego, saying that I know European football, but I'm always open to uh, to debate. My favourite team is none, because I'm a neutral, and I uh, don't support any team, which some people don't tend to believe often. Um, favourite player? Oh, I wasn't prepared for this question. Favourite player? You've put me on the spot. I'm going to go with a player we're going to mention today, I imagine. Burak Yilmaz of uh, Lille. You can't hate him. So he's going to go down yeah. as my favourite player. Well, that wasn't the answer I was expecting, if I'm honest. That answer. <laughs> Keeping you on his toes, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's but that, hipster that, answer. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting the fact that you've got the team. I mean, I got the same sort of thought process when it comes to basketball. I mean, I've only recently gotten to it last year or two, but um, I'm sort of purposely trying to avoid sporting team because I think that way... It means I can enjoy the sport for what it is without getting too stressed. Whereas exactly, exactly. as a sports, there's definitely a tendency, uh, particularly in the Premier League and NFL, for me to get quite stressed watching games. So, um, so yeah, I, I do get that quite completely. I mean, sometimes it's nice just to enjoy the sport for what it is and just have that stress factor, you know, sort of removed. Yeah, exactly. And there's, uh, there's, there's I like to think as well. There's no bias uh, with me. I'm yeah. not leaning into any other team. I try not to, at least. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a nice way to think of things. Yeah, no, exactly, and I, I quite like that. Um, so, right, we're going to make guest starts on, on each league. What I'm doing from now on each week, I'm going to randomly draw each league out of a hat, um, just to keep the order sort of spontaneous and random, and not have the same sort of structure every week. So, without further ado, the first league we're going to talk about is, drumroll please. The first league we're going to talk about is... Uh, Serie A. So, uh, our Serie A expert is uh, Mr. Ryan Masanji. So, um, take it away, boy. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we went through it last week about um, that the title race is pretty much dead. There's nothing to it. Inter Milan's still nine points clear. So, I can't see anything changing in that regard. Um, and then... We sort of touched on the top four race, along with uh, the teams that could go down. Uh, I have checked, and Crotone are definitely relegated, and Palmer are pretty much done and dusted as well, unfortunately for them. Um, in terms of the top four race, it's still 
you know, incredibly close between uh, second place Atlanta and sixth place Lazio. Only seven points between those positions, and that could even go less because Lazio do have a game in hand. Uh, and when you look at Napoli, Juventus, and AC Milan, all currently on the same points, sixty-six points, which is a bit mad, really, uh, when you think about it. But it's still a few games left to play, so all to play for the for the Champions League places. In terms of the relegation fight, like I say, the t- Crotone and Parliament pretty much down. For 18th place, though, there's three points separate 14th place Fiorentina and 18th Benevento, which, again, any of those teams could go down, and Fiorentina, you know, definitely go down if they don't sort of pull their socks up, to be honest with you. And I don't really know how they've got to this position because they have a a really talented squad, to be honest. And, you know, it's a hard one to work out, but in terms of what went on over the weekend, we had a, a seven-goal thriller between Palmer and Crotone, the two teams, as I mentioned, who are down. And a striker that I mentioned last week, uh, Simeon Nwankwao, scored twice as well to put himself joint third in the goal-scoring tally in Serie A. Um, now got 19 goals, which is mental, really. Um, and again, a little note on him as well is he was reported to be you know, linked with a move to a lot of clubs in the summer because of what he's done this season. Uh, he's come out publicly and said he he's not leaving Crotone, even though they are down, uh, which is a nice thing to see, to be honest. You rarely see that kind of loyalty nowadays in football. Mm. So I'll be interest, interested to see if that does happen. Uh, in regards to the other teams, Fiorentina did get a precious point at home to Juventus, surprisingly. Uh, one all draw. Then you look at the other teams. Inter Milan, again, they held their own at the top. They beat Verona by only slim margin, only 1-0, thanks to uh, Man United legend Matteo Damian coming to the rescue. Uh, and then, really, the other teams, I mean, Roma was surprisingly beaten 3-2 away at uh, Cagliari. Atlanta beat uh, Bologna 5-0 five different goal scorers they continue their rampage and it looks like that's going to finish second in my opinion uh, I think the surprising result of the weekend wasn't actually on the weekend it was on Monday but it was Lazio beating Milan 3-0 absolutely mm. demolished them and Milan at the moment are in free fall to be honest they for me they will finish outside the top four even though as I said they are all level on points which is Shocking for them, really, because they had such a strong start to the season. Like They really looked like they were going to challenge for the mm. title. And then how they've dropped off is massive, really. Cause, and, it, again, it will have a massive impact in their summer because they've got two key players whose contracts are expiring in the summer in uh, Gigi Donnarumma and uh, Hakan uh, Kalat. I can never pronounce his name. Channel Channel, That's it. Um, okay. Two players that... Again, would get into most teams in Europe, especially Donnarumma. For me, one of the best goalkeepers in Europe, and at his age as well, like he would be a massive addition to any club. But it, he, he does like it at Milan. But if they, you know, he is reportedly that if they don't finish in the top four, uh, he will he will move on, and it'll be interesting to see who does take him. But apart from that, I mean, 
you've got the games upcoming this weekend. There's not really too many big games uh, between the top clubs facing each other. You got both Milan clubs are facing teams in the bottom half, uh, in the bottom three. Milan at home to Benevento, which you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Benevento are managed by uh, Pipo and Zaghi, which would be very interesting to see how they get on there. Obviously, they need the points as well. Uh, you, Juventus are away at Udinese. Uh, Napoli at home to Cagliari. Lazio at home to Genoa. So there's not too many big games, but if it's anything like last weekend, which we saw a lot of goals, then it could be really interesting. And then sort of just to end it really, um, not even focusing on Serie A, or focus on a Serie B seat. Uh, a Serie B team called Monza, who, again, for people not familiar with European football, uh, especially the lower leagues, this is a team who are owned by Silvio Berlusconi, obviously, former Italian oh, Prime no. Minister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And it's crazy because I, you know, I watched a good video from HITC7s where they went quite in depth onto this, but he is obviously someone who is very controversial, but his vision for the club was extremely odd he wanted players who had no tattoos who all had <laughs> all had the same haircut um literally he wanted like a team of clones basically and obviously it hasn't worked out like that at all and this is a team that have mario balotelli up front with Kevin <laughs> you know two two absolute legends of the game and it's, 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 yeah. I, I, I have a I have a question because um, I, I I don't look at Syria too often, but there's one thing I've noticed um, about the sort of the bottom teams. You touched on really nicely, like the top teams of the top four. But found interesting, like Crotone are down, Palmer pretty much down as well, right? And you got mm-hmm. Benevento, Cagliari, Torino, Spezia. Now I feel like a, a lot of people will listen, and they'll be the sort of people who want to get into European football. They'll be looking into what games to watch. And I've looked at these teams, and I have a question. Out of Benevento, Cagliari, Torino, Spezia, which team is the most boring, and which team should I always avoid on the fixture list? Because I look at Benevento, and I see Camel Glick, and that's the most interesting thing I've seen about the team. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly that you mentioned him, actually. He's actually, uh, I believe, he's top of the table in terms of interceptions made this season of any player i don't know if that's just because they're always on the back foot and they're always defending (laughs) but i mean obviously (laughs) i I know him as well from his monaco days and yeah that they're not they're not a bad team to watch i don't think benevento because obviously they've got inzaghi's manager and they do pull off some surprising results now and then um in terms of the other teams, I mean, uh, Spezia are, are pretty boring to watch. Not really a great fan of them. Um, Cagliari, I mean, they've got they ain't got bad players to be honest with you. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there are a lot of Italian clubs who are quite boring to watch. You know, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna be biased, and I'm not gonna lie because some of them are. Some of them play, you know, side to side, side football. They don't really attack, but that's why I'm surprised to see Crotone where they are because. Their defence must be worse than Arsenal's at the moment, quite frankly. <laughs> to, to, to be on 15 points when you've got a goal scorer like they have, who scored so many goals this season, it it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But yeah, it's it could be. I mean, 
going back to Monza, they're a team that are only they're in fourth at the moment. They're only six points off from automatic promotion. So we could see Berlusconi back in the top league with Balotelli and Kevin Prince Boateng up front. <laughs> That's got to be a frightening thought for the for the defenses of the league. Oh my god! <laughs> so this um this guy wants no tattoos, but isn't like. Every footballer got a tattoo these days. He's going to find it hard to get players, isn't he? If he wants no one with tattoos, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, I don't know what you know. I don't want to go into what you know kind of character he is because it's pretty well known, to be honest with you. But <laughs> it's, I, I found it really, really odd when I heard that. But credit to HITC Sevens because it was a really good video to watch, and it goes really in depth as well. How is he allowed to be involved in another football club? I'm pretty. Wasn't he like? It booted out of Milan on like fraud convictions and things like that. Like, how is he getting back in Serie A? Always finds a way, doesn't he? In fact, he's found a way. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Like I say, and again, from watching that video, the I believe his director of football, who he had at Milan for pretty much the whole time they was there. Obviously, he left the same time as Berlusconi. And how he bought the club was they were having dinner one day and this guy mentioned to Berlusconi that they were up for sale again and he went out and bought the club the very same day. <laughs> Just <laughs> mental. But yeah, that's, that's wow. Serie A this week. Nothing really, nothing major. Oh. Well, thank you for that, Ryan. That was very interesting once again. Um, so who's next? I'm going to have a little check to see who's on my little... So, sadly, no one can actually see this hat I've got. This um, so just, just 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 picture a hat with um with all these different leagues in it. So who's next on the list? Oh, it's my turn. We got Premier League. <laughs> so this is, so <sighs> this is my time to shine. Um, so yeah, obviously as this weekend, um, once again, City. Um, without playing in the league, are still ever closer towards winning the league. I mean, they obviously they played in the League Cup final, which, of course, as you all saw, I was at. So anyone who wants to watch my vlog, my time there, please do check out the YouTube channel. Um, obviously, Saturday, Saturday lunchtime, Liverpool played Newcastle. Um, we've we've apparently not heard of a second goal in a game, um, and we we, just, we had about three million shots in that game and, and just couldn't get the win. Um, and Newcastle. Uh, just basically shit housed a um a win a draw at the end and really should have won the game if you um <laughs> if you include the um terrible VAR decision um, so I think we got a bit lucky in the end with that um but I'm gonna try and avoid talking about Liverpool because that just uh, makes me a bit stressed and a bit angry so let's not talk about Liverpool um on the same day our top four hopes were further blown by Chelsea's winning over West Ham. Uh, Timo Werner got the only goal of the game, uh, which obviously gives them a huge advantage in terms of top four. Uh, which obviously now they're they got a good a good lead over over us and West Ham, so they are in a good position. But they have got a really hard run of fixtures to come. I think they got they still got Man City, they still got um, I believe Everton and um, Chelsea as well, not Everton and Arsenal, I should say as well. So they got quite a um, hard end of the season. I'm just gonna check their final. They got Fulham tomorrow. Or tomorrow, uh, they've got Fulham on the weekend, uh, and then they've obviously got Real Madrid coming up in the week. They've got um, yeah, Man City, then Arsenal, then of the FA Cup final, and then the league against Leicester in the same week, and then Aston Villa away. So they've got a hard run of fixtures. So that is probably Liverpool's only chance of really getting back into the top four is that if Chelsea lose these games, because we've got, apart from Man U on the weekend, we've got a fairly favourable on paper run of fixtures. 
then again, our, our form against the, the bottom six teams are worse than the top six teams. Um, in that same game, uh, Balbuena got a red card, a uh, very controversial red card, which has since mm. been overturned, um, which, which is always good to see. Um, talk of top four, Leicester made a big stride in their top four hopes with a 2-1 win. Uh, from from going to goal down against Crystal Palace, uh, Ian Nacho continues his great form uh, with a wonder goal uh, on, on the Monday night against Palace. I think that's now twelve goals in his last nine games in all contests in all competitions. So um, yeah, he he's in pretty good form and he's um, arguably one of the best, most informed strikers in the league at the moment. Um, and then in terms of the relegation fight, obviously West Bromer could be relegated this weekend, um, but um, obviously Fulham Woo! finally. Yeah, no. <laughs> See you later, Big Sam. See you later. It'd be good to get rid of him. Um, but yeah, I think since the relegation fight, I think Burnley's win against Wolves to 4 0. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much their safety. And I think it's going to be pretty hard for it to be anyone else but Fulham being the other team who gets relegated, to be honest. Um, Obviously, in terms of fancy football, that was very... I think everyone had a bad week. I don't think anyone I know had a, had a good week on fancy. Um, I know I certainly didn't. Um, but yeah, it was a weird week, obviously, because of the lack of fixtures, in terms of the, you know, the, the League Cup final as well. So I think, obviously, this weekend we're back to um, every team playing. So that should be a good thing. Tonight, it's um, Southampton against Leicester. I think if Leicester win tonight, I think top four is pretty much guaranteed for them. Um, so yeah, that, that, again, same as... It, Italy, really, no real changes since last week, really, to be honest. You're just the same sort of, you know. I think the, the only real update was probably the top four battle, really, with um, Liverpool, Liverpool and West Ham dropping points. Um, now, boys, do you think there's any other chance for any team to break top four, or do you think the top four, as it is, will stay the way it is come the final yeah. day? It's done. Yeah. I, I think it's done. I think, I think Chelsea will lock up position now. I don't see them giving it up. I think... Don't think West Ham and Liverpool can get into. I think I think I'd like to think West Ham keep on to fifth ahead of Liverpool, but I don't think they will. The boring part of me says they won't. Yeah, so, yeah. yes, I think I think it stays how it is. But I do I do kind of back. I don't know. I feel like Chelsea can actually overtake Leicester. I don't know. I back Thomas Tuchel quite a lot. Do you reckon? Yeah, I, maybe that's my my only sort of bias. Really, in football, is I'm, I'm a massive fan of Tuchel. And mm-hmm. um, so I kind of like, part of me thinks that Leicester, they'll still falter towards the end and maybe Chelsea overtake him and finish third. But they are, they, like, you got the four-point gap, so mm-hmm. he, they'd have to do that. They'd have to do something very Brendan Rodgers to mess that up. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, don't mention that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking now, I'm looking at the final fixtures for the few teams, and I think definitely Chelsea got the hardest, but I think they've probably got probably in the best run of form at the moment. So I think that, um, yeah, I, I do think, unfortunately, I hate to say it, I do think, unfortunately, we'll be that the way it is. Uh, yeah, I think I mean, there's there's one fight that you haven't talked about, Andy, which I believe is the most important, and that is who's going to finish above who in terms of Arsenal and Tottenham. Well, that's easy. That's Spurs, isn't it? Yeah, I can't see us getting above them. We've, we've been awful this season. Um, too... Yeah, but what, what do you think now? as an Arsenal fan, same as Ryan. What do you think about Arsenal? Do you think, in terms of next, how do you think they'll go next season? In terms of, do you think they'll win the Europa League? Do you think now, how do you think they'll do in terms of the next sort you know, twelve months, fifteen months? I think it. I think it all depends um, if we get rid of Arteta or not. Because um, if we keep him, if we keep him on. 
then I think it's going to be more of the same because it, either he's not a good manager or the players ain't playing for him and probably a bit of both. But yeah, I haven't got any hope for the next season, to be fair. So probably be mid-table again next season, battling up with Leeds and um, Aston Villa for mid-table, I guess. But, yeah, um, if, yeah. If, um, and if you don't know, Naeem's really um, anti-Arteta, so <laughs> he's not his biggest fan. No, it's, for, for me, it's, it is all about summer now. I don't believe we've got, we're not going to go anywhere now in the Premier League and the Europa League, even if we manage to get past Villarreal next week, I can't see us beating United in the final because they look very strong at the minute. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm not. It wasn't totally... a good evening for you, was it? It wasn't, <laughs> no, unfortunately. Um, oh, he's fucking annoying Emery though, man. It's, you can still tell how... I don't rate him at all. You, you can see what he'd done with Villarreal last night. Like They were such a commanding position. And then at half-time, he takes a striker off, brings on a defensive midfielder, and sits back. And that's exactly what he'd done at Arsenal. Every time he went 1-0 up, and it backfired... So often, and it probably did on them last night, even though we still lost, we got that away goal. But mm. for me, it, it doesn't matter. Be, you know, I'm I'm not a massive um, fan of Arteta, but I'm not like against him either. I feel like he got it wrong last night, and yeah, that's, just, that's just inexperience for me. Like He wasn't ever going to come in and be world-class from the get-go, and he's probably had to deal with the worst year to be an Arsenal manager, you know, in living memory, considering the mess he was left with, the fact that he's gone through, obviously, coronavirus, and the players that he's had to ship out, and the ones that have come in, uh, I feel like the ones who have come in have made, you know, really good contribution uh, contributions, and they look like they are the future, but there's still so much work to do, and you have to think, like, do they risk it? and go another season, back him hard in the summer transfer window and see what he does next season or do you sort of rip it all up again and try and get someone else? I just don't see who else out there you would get that is much better at the moment. You're not going to get an Allegri and he wouldn't, you know, he's not the type of manager we would want anyway. You're not going to get a handsy flick because he's probably going to go to Germany. So you look out there and you'd either be going for an unknown prospect or you have to look at the likes of Eddie Howe or you know, Roberto Martinez, someone of that calibre and that's not where we should be aiming at all so it's you know they've got hard decisions to make I, I have a name for you but I'm going to keep it quiet until my bit I, I think I know who you're going to say anyway but we'll leave it for a little while <laughs> is it is the answer Bob Bradley no <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think if Arsenal get Martinez, I think they're idiots. To be honest, if you if you hire Martinez, I think first I don't think oh, he'd leave God. Belgium. I think he's the luckiest man to get that job. I don't know how he's got that job in the first place. I think he's extremely overrated as a manager. Mm. But, um, no, that is he. No, he had a, obviously well was Wigan, but Wigan's a different thing to um, Everton or you know sort of. Yeah. So it's this different yeah. thing, a different kettle of fish completely. Um, but yeah, that that concludes my Premier League roundup. Um, and now our final two, um, we'll be talking about the French League with Alex and we'll talk about the um, Spanish League with Naeem. Both these boys have got some debates for us. So without further ado, I'm going to um, delve into the first one, see who I get next. Again, just imagine the um, imaginary the hat. hat I've got here. Yeah. Let's see. So again, imaginary drum roll. Um, 
Mr. Page is up. So we got a Spanish football roundup now. So um, take it away, boy. Yeah, so um, I'm going to start down at the bottom of the table. I think Ibar, they're pretty much going to be relegated. They have not won a game since the 3rd of January. They've either lost or drawn. So I think they will they will be going down. I can't, can't see them getting any wins here or there. Huesca um, and Elche, Elche, should I say. Elche actually managed to win 1-0 against Levante on the weekend. Um, that takes them to 30 points. They're level points with Valladolid. But can I see them? Can I see them staying up? I don't know. This is just, it does. It's, this season is crazy, man. You, the, the teams that you think are just going to go down, they're they're managing to get draws and wins here and there. But I reckon it'll probably be out of Huesca, Elche, and Valladolid down at the bottom of the table. And at the top of the table. Um, the top four teams, Sevilla, they beat Granada 2-1. Funny thing that happened in that game was the referee blew for full time, but he re- then realised that he still had a minute to play, so he had to bring the players back on. Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's quite funny to see. Um, Barcelona, they managed to come back from behind to beat Villarreal 2-1. Um, Villarreal went 1-0 up and then managed to get a red card. Then Anton Griezmann got both the goals. Um, he's been in a bit of good form lately. Barcelona, they, well, they, they they won that game. And then yesterday, they somehow managed to lose at home to Granada of all teams. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Um, there was one nil up. They should have been three nil up. Messi missed a few chances. And that was that was inevitably their game in hand, which would have t- took them above Atletico Madrid by one point if they won. Real Madrid, before their game against Chelsea, they drew 0-0 with Real Betis. Uh, Real Betis, I think they've drawn their last five games in a row, so they're still stuck in sixth place. And Sevilla, they've, they've actually won the last five games, so they, they, cause they still have a chance of winning the league, you never know. It's just, like I was saying last week, it just depends on who drops points, and obviously mm. Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, they drop points on the weekend, and then Barcelona dropped their drop points on their game in hand. So it's it's all to play for really now. Obviously, there's only three points separating first and f- um, fourth. Uh, fifth, fifth place, Real, Real Sociedad, they, they ain't got no chance of um, no chance of getting getting into the top four. As like, like I said, they're, they're, se- they're 17 points behind uh, Sevilla. So I've, I re- yeah, the top four will probably stay the same. Um, Position-wise, it, it probably will change. Um, on, the, on this weekend, we have got we've got Ibar against Al Alaves. So that's 20th place against 16th place. Probably Al Alaves will probably win that. Elche, they've got Atletico Madrid. So you'd really think that Atletico Madrid will would bounce back after losing on the weekend to Atletico Bilbao. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that, but. This season is just full of these crazy results. So, teams that you think that are going to win, they're good. They're going losing, like probably lose your bets. We got West against Real Sociedad. That's probably going to be an easy win for Sociedad. Real Madrid, they've got Osasuna, so they should. It, it depends on whether they rest players ahead of the Chelsea game um, next week, which they probably will. So, they'll probably be more focused on that that game rather than in the league. But they still do have a little bit of a chance. Uh, what else we got? We got Barcelona have got Valencia, so you, you think that Barcelona would want to bounce back 
after that shock defeat to Granada yesterday. And Valencia, they've been poor this season. They've really fallen off um, over the last couple of years. They, they used to be a decent decent team, you know, getting into the Europa League, sometimes Champions League. But yeah, this season, they're not doing too well. They're one nearer to the bottom than they are to mid-table. And yeah, so... That's pretty much that's pretty much what's going on in La Liga. Still, still all to play for. Um, so, so next weekend, uh, Atletico Madrid actually have got Barcelona. So, oh, tasty! Um, that, that's going to be that's going to be a good game to watch. And I, I guess whoever wins that probably would go on to win the league. But I'm still going for Atletico Madrid to win win the league, uh, simply because obviously there's still two points in front of everyone, and I can't see them dropping too many more points. But <laughs> we shall see anyway. Yeah. Um, what do you think, boys? I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm still back around Madrid for the title, but irregardless of the title race at the moment, obviously you mentioned relegation places there, and Valladolid. Um, I'd be sad to see them go down because I really <laughs> like them. Not only because they have uh, the Newcastle legend Hassan Ben Arfa in their ranks, <laughs> but <laughs> the fact that they're also owned by. Um, Ronaldo as well just makes it even you know more nostalgic and yeah I'd hate to see them go down to be honest because they're such a well-run club as well he really knows what he's doing with that club so I wouldn't want to see them go down talking of which I'm just looking at the table and Valencia only six points uh, off 18th I didn't obviously they are my favorite Spanish team I'd say and um yeah it's a shame that they've really fallen the way they have because I mean, I don't think they will because I think they're probably just too good, too big a club to go down. But at the same time, you've seen teams like Villarreal go down in the past, so I don't think mm-hmm. it's out of you know the realm of possibility. Say that again. That's that's what you get when you have Peter Lim as your owner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just to channel my inner sort of Kevin Keegan, I would love it if um, Sevilla went on to win the league. That would be cool. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> that would be amazing. I think I don't like either Madrid, Barca or Atletico, but I, so I'd, I'd love to see someone else, you know, um, break the mould and, you know, get, get that win. Mm. But um, what do you think, Alex? I think Atletico is still going to win it. Um, I think, even though they've slowed down, even though they've been horrific, I, I, I think they're going to just about hang on. They'll probably draw against Barcelona and they'll probably... I reckon they've got a better goal difference than Madrid, so I think they're gonna. I think they are gonna like crawl over the finish line in first place, and it'll be slightly anticlimactic. But mm. I agree. The, I I would find it hilarious if Sevilla win. That'd be amazing. That'd be it's the so best good. thing to have a Spanish football Sevilla win it because it'd be a slap in the face to every other team there, and I'd enjoy it wholeheartedly. Yeah, especially with the um, you know, all the, the Super League revelations as well. I think that would be quite a nice little uh, stretch. The, for... no, nothing would give me more joy to see the fat <laughs> melting candle that Sorrentino Perez cry oh. when his team loses. Oh God, no! I, I think sadly, I think we we are going to nick it. I think Atletico are going to drop points against Barca, and I think Madrid are going to just. I mean, Champions League may be a downfall. Maybe that will be the distraction of that may go against them but if they lose to Chelsea next week and go out then they've got literally nothing else but the league to focus on so I think I still think I still think we are going gonna to nick it personally and yeah and I forgot sorry I forgot to mention um, Real Madrid actually got Sevilla next week uh, next weekend as well so all the top four teams they'll be playing each other so it's going to be quite yeah, it depend, yeah. depends on I mean, really. but if, if Real Madrid go out of the Champions League then they probably will, will go on a run to try and win the league 
was they don't really go trophyless uh, much. So I, there's only I mean with Real Madrid winning it as well, that'd be the only upside for me and I as Arsenal fans because it's, it's then likely that they'll keep Zidane, which means it's very likely then we can then keep Odegaard. So that'd be a nice little sort of way for things to happen if it does happen like that. But um, I'd be I'd be I'd be shocked if they sack Zidane because again, there's not really that many world class managers out there. Yeah, it's who you get really, isn't it? Like there's, that's it. Like said, there's not really anyone mm. out there. And not, with, many, with not many managers maybe leave, uh, leaving their post to to go on to them. With Sevilla, I was just looking at the form. All the other teams are kind of stuttered a bit. Like Atletico lost two of their last six. Barcelona lost two of their last six. Real Madrid have drawn two of their last six. Sevilla have won their last five in a row, which does kind of make you think that's a lot of... I don't know. Maybe they are being slept on a little. They've got dreadful goal difference in comparison to the rest of them. Mm. But with that momentum, I'd be, I'm going to keep a very keen eye on what happens I guess you say it was against Madrid uh, next weekend or this weekend. Next weekend. Um, next weekend. I'm going to keep yeah. a, a keep a very keen eye on that because even if, even if they get a if they get a draw, they're going to tag Real Madrid down with them. If they get a win, it's big. But on the Madrid point, because I do get on one side, like it would be big for them if they um, it it it, 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 it would be big for them to get the the clear schedule and the free focus on La Liga if they get knocked out by Chelsea. On the other hand, what kind of like mental blow does it give you when you know you got denied by a Champions League final by Jorginho and Cesar Azpilicueta? <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I kind of feel like, I, I don't know, maybe that gives them a bit of a stunt in their form, but it'd be something to look out for. I think um, Hazard might be the new um, Mike Clare and Coutinho. Seeing his old oh, team, oh, oh, no. I, I was I was doing a few previews for Real Madrid, and the amount of people who said to me, "Going well, you see that Hazard's back, so you have to watch out for Chelsea." I'm, I'm sorry, if Robert if Robert Pires came out of retirement, sure he'd be back, but he wouldn't be good either. So I don't no. really understand what people were going on about Hazard. He's finished. He, yeah, I think that he's apparently. I saw his article on BBC website. He's um he's known by the Madrid fans as um the man made of glass and I think he's had more injuries than he's had games or some, something crazy like that and I think he came off the bench didn't he the day and he just was not impre- I didn't find him that impressive when he came off the bench he just seems right. like just seems like a massive flop doesn't he really which is a shame because I think on his day he he was one of the best players in the league and he was one of the best players in Europe but I think there's been definitely a lot of uh, people sort of coming out and recently talking about his um how bad a professional he is. In terms yeah, of I was actually, that's something I was just going to mention, actually, because um, I, I was just like, it was a conversation I was having the other day with, about Eden Hazard, that I think Madrid didn't do their research, because by all accounts, even since he, he first was Chelsea, he was a dreadful trainer, mm. that he wouldn't put, he put zero effort into the training ground, and then on the, get, on, on the day, he'd just blow up with his natural ability, and you can't think, what if? What if you had the training ethic of like a Joshua Kimmich or someone? Like, where could you have gone? Where would you be right now? It's, yeah, it's... I, I think I saw um, that Mourinho tried when he was in his second spell at Chelsea. I think he tried to get Hazard to work harder, but I think <laughs> I think then his performances weren't good on the pitch. And I think apparently as soon as Mourinho just stopped that and let him do what he wants to do, he then did it on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> not, not Mourinho giving up on a player. I don't believe it. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not like he sold Salah or De Bruyne or Lukaku, is it? Or anything like that. 
Well, according to Paul Merson, that was a great bit of business. So. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that, that clip of them on Soccer Saturday when they criticised oh. Matty spending £60 million on the Bruyne is, is one of my favourites because <laughs> he's, he's just one of the best players in the world right now. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard to know, isn't it? Like, obviously, I think everyone's a bit like shocked, wouldn't they? But I think, obviously, as soon as he played a few games for City, I think everyone knew exactly what kind of player he was. Yeah. But just imagine if they kept all, imagine if they kept all those players. Imagine if Chelsea right had um, Hazard, De Bruyne, Salah, and Lukaku in the same attack. That'd be like <laughs> that'd be un- unreal. On the current form, it would be, but it's whether it would have all yeah, you know, that's a thing, hand, to be fair. hand out because you saw how much you know them moves, especially with Salah and De Bruyne, obviously going to Roma and Wolfsburg uh, respectively, like. That that's that made them, especially with De Bruyne at Wolfsburg, like that season, mm. he absolutely destroyed like yeah. the yeah. defences. It's not, so, uh, not not to digress too much, but I also think it's less about who they sold and more about how they spent the money. Like yeah. it's like if they sell Tammy Abraham this summer for forty million and he goes on to win the Ballon d'Or, <laughs> like, like fair enough, but you've still got forty million out of someone who's not worth it. And if they go and reinvest that. If they help reinvest that in Haaland, it's worth it. Though I think the issue oh. about selling selling Salah, uh, sell, selling Salah and De Bruyne, it was like, okay, it's not great, but what was worse was spending it on Danny Drinkwater. I think that's what really, <laughs> let, it, what really let it down. Yeah. Now I think go back. I think Haaland wise, I think any team who buys in the summer is going to win their league. So whether it's Madrid, whether it's Barca, whether it's Chelsea, City. I think he's gonna. Any team he goes to is that there's gonna, there's gonna, he's gonna help them massively. I don't think there's any yeah. team he wouldn't improve. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the unfortunate thing at the moment with us not having a a Bundesliga expert to to go, to go through yeah. um, on on Erlen Haaland, Haaland. But yeah, he's he is something else. Yeah, no, he's definitely my favourite non Liverpool player at the moment to watch. I think he's just. He's just a character, and I think he's just amazing. Or not, he can do he can do everything on the pitch. So I think mm-hmm. he's definitely got potential to be one of the be- one of the best strikers of his generation if he continues the way he's going. Um, so, Naeem, I've been told you have a little um, debate for us. So I'm, I'm going to let you take the floor. Yes. So my debate this week is how the pandemic has saved Mikel Arteta his job. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's one-sided and, that, and now I realise why <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so basically um, obviously I'm, I'm not Michael Arteta's biggest fan but obviously I've got, got a few stats to back up what I'm saying so uh, the way I see it is if, if obviously the pandemic never happened and we had fans in the stadium some of these performances we've seen this season from Arsenal would not the fans wouldn't, number one, wouldn't obviously accept that. So, in the 33 games we've played this season, there's been 12 games we have not scored. We've lost seven games at home. That's the most most that we've lost at home. Or oh, I, think, I think it was actually equaled uh, against Everton that we've lost at home. We've lost 13 games in the league. And out of 33 games, 20 of them, we've actually dropped points. Now... The previous manager, Unai Emery, he got hounded out because we we lost, I think it was two games that season, I think we were sitting in eighth. So, obviously, Mikel Arteta came in November 2020, I believe, and we finished eighth. And the reason, the reason why fans probably gave him a bit more time was because, obviously, we won the FA Cup. Now, don't get me wrong, it was obviously good to win that, but 
like like with Arsenal, FA Cups have seemed to paper over quite a lot of the cracks that that we've seen. Now, I'm not obviously going to blame him entirely because obviously some of the players that we have there is god awful. Like we've got Granit Xhaka. I, I really don't rate that guy. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what Arsenal saw in him when we could have got Kante for a couple million pound more. And, and I can say, yeah, you, that's a kicker. Who, isn't it? who would you prefer out to? Um, Xhaka, mate, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, <laughs> midfielder. Hector Bellerin, that, that <laughs> guy. He's got, he, 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 when he when he came through on the Arsenal winger, he did show quite a lot of promise. But I think that injury kind of did ruin what what potential he could have shown. And he's he needs to be sold in the summer as well. And yeah, he's with, with him. He I, I don't I don't know if he knows his best team because every week it seems to be a different player in in a position. We uh, the game against Leeds um, this season. That was the first time, because we played the Europa League game before that, that was the first time that we picked the same team, I think it was in, I think they said it was in about two, three years. So, oh, wow. so yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole lot, a lot of risk of reasons, but yeah, I just I, I just think we just went for the cheap option and got someone with literally no experience. Yeah, fair enough, he's learned under Pep and everyone does sing his praises about how good he's going to be, but... The task at hand, I think we do, we did need someone a bit more experienced to, you know, try and st- steady the ship. But like I said, he might, we might, we might get through in the Europa League and somehow win it, and then that will give him a bit more time. But I, I, I just, I just don't really see how he's he's been in a job for so long because when we when we beat Man United back in November, we nearly went two months in the league without winning a game. So yeah, he's he's breaking records, but the wrong records in my opinion and. Yeah, the sooner he's gone, uh, yeah, the better. I slightly yeah. disagree. I disagree. I, I, I think... So, do I think Arteta is a great manager? No. Do I think he's even in the top ten in the Premier League? No. Do I think he's upgradable? Yes. But I don't think a lot of what's happened to Arsenal this season particularly has been his fault. Just in the, like from what happened in the summer... The reports of the scouting department getting absolutely decimated. Him being promoted from head coach to manager, a lot of it was quite nonsensical. And the reports were there was literally what one person left in charge of recruitment. I'm pretty sure that mm. it was left to is it Rouse and Leahy or someone? Like, I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, uh, it, it was left to him to negotiate contracts. So it's not even something he's meant to do. So I kind of think it was so hastily rushed behind the scenes that he was just left with. I, I just think a lot of what's been done off the pitch for Arsenal has been poor. Like signing Nicolas Pepe for seventy million, that was dreadful. Signing Gabriel for thirty million, no, that, that that's oh actually, if to be fair, I'm not sure it's thirty or twenty two, but um, you, you could have got him cheaper from Lille because they they weren't exactly in the best bargaining position there. So I just kind of think with Arteta, there is definitely other managers who can get in. But in Arsenal's position, I don't. I think he's done all right, and at the same time, while in some games he's done poorly, at least he's put the team up well to win against the likes of City in the past. I don't count Chelsea under Frank Lampard because that's not really much of an achievement. But <laughs> like the, 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 the Manchester City is the United beating them. That I think that's respectable, and at least Arsenal are in a position where they're growing as a club, if you can call it that. And Arteta is at least growing with them in that way. I don't think there's the pressure on him. So, I'd, I, unless there is a clear upgrade who 
you can get in instantly. I think it's all right to stick with him, and I wouldn't blame him too badly for what's happened. Yeah, I, I saw. I think also I'm sort of with you, Alex. I think that I don't think he's actually been amazing, but I do think there has been signs at times that I do think he has shown at times that he can be a good manager. And I think that him being so early on in his managerial career, I think. Uh, I, I think Arsenal, I think everyone knows Arsenal are sort of in a rebuild mode and I do think that um, they do potentially, I don't, I don't think changing managers every two years is going to help any team. So I do think maybe we need to give them more time. But I do get to, I do get you as well, the fact that it is obviously he has made some strange decisions in terms of tactics and sort of lineups now and it's again. Like yesterday as well, playing, yeah. playing yeah. a false nine when we've never played that once under him. So no. But yeah, I think that, that also, I think... Me, yeah. I think also the fact that no fans, I think certain teams definitely have either benefited or not benefited. I think that, you look at West Ham, for example, it's no coincidence that they've done the, had their best season in a while without the fans there, because their fans are notoriously a bit sort of, you know, can, can <laughs> oh, be yeah. quite, can mm-hmm. be quite um, you know, can voice opinions quite easily on the, on the pitch. <laughs> I, do, I do think, and even like, um, there's, there's, there's plenty of teams that I think definitely managers or even players would have, have either performed worse or better because there's no fans. And I do think there is something to that. I mean, I'm going back to my team again, but I think um, teams like us and Sheffield, they've definitely suffered without having the fans there. And I do think certain teams do sort of have that sort of that 12th man advantage through their fans. I do think it's the same as managers. I think some managers maybe would be, I think you go back to Arsenal. I think if they they had that run of form, they, when they, some people for a few weeks were talking about relegation with Arsenal. And I do think if there were fans there, you'd have seen, uh, a bit like when Jacker told them all to f off. I do think um, you see a lot more outrage from fans if they were losing all those games with the crowd there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what you think, Ryan. You're the other Arsenal fan in in this pod. So, what's your thoughts on um, on Arteta? I mean, Arsenal definitely don't benefit from their fans being there. Let's get that out there because the atmosphere at the Emirates is fucking awful, <laughs> and I can speak from experience, having gone there as well. Like. When we're winning and the place is jumping, it is brilliant. But it's such a rare occasion, not only to that, that we win, but that there's a crowd there to actually get it going. And that's just because of the way that they sell their tickets, I think. Um, but irregardless of that, I mean, I'm a bit on the fence with Arteta just because I was sort of pro Arteta prior to last night. But last night, like, he could not have got it worse the only way he could have got it worse last night is if he brought Nicholas Bentner back and fucking stuck him in goal. <laughs> <laughs> because they were, they were so bad that first half. And Oof. I was so confident as well earlier in the day. I, I put a tweet out saying that they were, I expected us to win because I really did. And when you get that feeling that you, you know you're going to win, I didn't think that they would put, especially in the semi-final, like in the Europa League, I know we've had a bit... A few iffy results here and there, but we've always come through, and I think we will next week. But he just makes he makes so many odd decisions, and his excuse last night for not taking Sabios off was because he didn't have enough time to get Martinelli on the pitch. He was sent off in the fifty-six minute, I think. How it doesn't take ten minutes to get a substitute ready, and not not when it's just gone <laughs> half time. And that substitute has been warming up already. So that excuse is fucking ridiculous. And excuse my language, but it annoys me. You know, he, he could have just said he took a risk in keeping him on. It didn't pay off. 
and he got it wrong. He holds his hands up. Fair enough, they would have accepted that because for all, for all we care, Sabah can stay in Villarreal, quite frankly, because he's <laughs> god-awful and he's been awful all season. Every time he's played, he's only ever done one good thing, and that was when he scored in the FA Cup. And apart from that, I, I don't rate him at all. And next season, he'll probably be at Ibar or Elche or somewhere, and I, I, that'll be the last I hear of him, hopefully. But knowing our scouting department and our director of football, they'll probably go and pay forty-five million for him, and job done. Um, but one final question. One final question from my end. Um, let's see you both. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how funny do you find it that in January you loaned out your only competent backup left back in Ainsley Mate and Niles, and you loaned him out? Only for Tierney to get injured, and you played Jacker at left back last night, who was like targeted throughout the whole ninety minutes by Chikwesi. A solid ten because <laughs> you know, Chikwesi is someone I know just from Football Manager, and he's he's such a talent, and he's quick and he's skillful. So for them to decide that Granite Shaka, probably the most error-prone midfielder. <laughs> In the league, most static midfielder as well. Yeah, I mean, you see, sometimes when you take him out of the team, we're a completely different team, and that's normally in a negative way. He seems to somehow make a difference, but I don't know how because when you watch him, he's <laughs> shit. <laughs> but to, I, I would have rather them seen put Saka at left back last night and played Martinelli on the left. That would have been fine because at least Saka has the pace, and he's played there before, so he could have dealt with it a little bit better. But to loan... I mean, Maitland-Niles, I think, he was just annoyed that he's been put up fullback because it's quite evident he doesn't want to play there, but he's better at playing fullback than he is in midfield. So he needs to make that decision himself. But, I mean, I'm not going to talk about Kalazanac because what he's done at Schalke, I mean, he would he wouldn't have got in Arsenal's reserves team, never mind near our first team squad. So, he doesn't... I don't know, he looked, he looked quite quick when he was running away from the fans the other week. Fast enough seen him run. <laughs> yeah, I do. Where, 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 where was that work rate when he was at Arsenal, eh? Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that concludes um, our Spanish league run-up and Naeem's um, Arsenal, Ars- weekly Arsenal rage. Um, <laughs> it will continue. So our final um, league we're, we're going to discuss today is the um, is the French league. So, mm-hmm. so this is this is this is one we didn't talk about last week. But um, yeah, Alex, you're you are um, our, our French league expert. So I'm, I'm going to let you start the um, start off and tell us what's happening in France, mate. Awesome. I'm going to. Uh, this will lead perfectly into my debate as well because. Um, we're we're going to lead into him in France. I mean, we'll get the relegation out of the way. Dijon are down. Nimes and Nantes are going. Uh, might be going down. Lorient are staying up. Who cares? It's relegation anyway. We'll move to the top six because that's where it's fun. Um, Lille uh, last weekend. Um, they they came back from two 0 down against Lyon to win three two. This is an example of how tight uh, Ligue 1 is at the moment. Um, at the 40th minute, Lille were fourth. Outside of the Champions League spaces by three points. Um, oh, by one point, sorry. By uh, the 90th minute, Lille were top of the league, 
six points clear of Leon, who are left out of the Champions League spaces. It is very tight. Current top four as it stands, Lille 73 points, PSG 72, Monaco 71, Lyon 67, and then a bit behind is Lens, Marseille and Rennes. It's been an incredibly tight season in France, and as someone who's watched Lille throughout the season, they've been absolutely superb, and the manager I would have tipped for Arsenal would have been Christophe Galtier from Lille, because I think he'd do a brilliant job, and he looks to be free in the summer. So... And the thing is, as well, this isn't just a, so much of a one-off. I think everyone expects Lille to drop off next season, but Monaco under Niko Kovac have been putting in a really good squad. So they actually look really set to challenge PSG next season. PSG under Pochettino look a little shaky. Lyon are uh, approaching another crossroads. Uh, Depay's about to leave, but they could potentially grow even better. Nice also a lower down the league doing well. But the, the report from France is just. This has been the most competitive and most well-balanced title race and European champ- European places race that we've seen probably ever, in, at least in modern football history, since like the 2000s. This has been the most high quality by far. And to lead into a debate, because I think for the best part of 10 years, ever since everyone's gotten to FIFA, right, the top five leagues is usually ranked as Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, Ligue 1. And we've just kind of accepted that, and that's never really changed. Like, maybe for a brief period with Messi and Ronaldo around, we thought La Liga was top. Out of those five leagues, how would you actually rank it now? Because personally, Ooh. I think Ligue 1 has outshone itself, not just in competitiveness within its own league, but also the quality. We're about to see a litany of Lille players move to the Premier League in Mike Menon, Sven Botman, Renato Sanchez. PSG on can quite clearly say now they're past their Champions League hocus pocus they're like two seasons around now they've reached the semi-finals and all of them are a bit shaky against City the other night they've kind of proven they're up there with their big boys as I said Monaco have put a great squad together Lyon are always a home of talent where would you rank Ligue 1 in the top five leagues and how how else would you change it if you if you if you could it's, it's really interesting I mean I yeah. think you've got to take it to count as well. There's different. I think there's also there's mixtures. There's certain factors leagues where you got to look at the quality of the teams playing. That's one thing. Another part of it is um, sort of how exciting it is to watch. And I think also you got to look at sort of you know how competitive a league is. I think there's definitely three different sort of pillars. I think when you sort of determine, um, mm-hmm. I think when you, when you determine the leagues, which one's best. I mean, I still think. Overall, I still think the Premier League is top. Not so much this season. I think it's probably been one of the worst Premier League seasons ever. But I think if you look at the overall terms of how popular it is worldwide, look at the sort of yeah, yeah. Um, I think Premier League's nailed on top still. Yeah, and I think I think Germany is underrated. I think I do like the German league. I think Spanish league is declining slightly. I think with obviously without Ronaldo there now, without the Ronaldo Messi thing. Um, so I do think France is still, I'd say, below those leagues purely because. Um, Obviously, this year has been different for most leagues. It is always PSG, uh, with the exception of Montpellier a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, I do, I do think that... What about Monaco yeah. just a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. So I've, I've, yeah, that, them as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think it is still, for me, that it probably is still below the rest. But I do think if you can get just a second team to be competitive every year, like if they... Like to have like a Bayern Dortmund rivalry or Madrid Barca rivalry, all these kind of things. I think if you can get a second team to sort of every year compete with PSG, I think that will then, and maybe do well in Europe, at least get to the quarters or something like that. I think that would then 
maybe appeal to more people worldwide. And I think that would then, as a result, I think that would then, I think that could then move it up. I think right now it is mostly PSG every year. Um, I don't think any other teams really come close in terms of how they do in Europe, but also in the league. So I do think for me, I think, and also I don't think it's the best league to watch. I think it's still, sometimes the games aren't the best quality. Um, so I, I still put French league, but I still think, I do think, if they can get a, se- get a second team involved, I think that could definitely change in a few years. I mean, t- touching on what you just mentioned there, Andy, with the with the Bundesliga and Dortmund, I mean, I don't know how many years Bayern have won it now in a row, mm. but... Eight or nine now, I want to say. Yeah, it's, you know, it's out of hand. And even this season, like at one stage, it looked like um, Leipzig were going to perhaps challenge and then maybe Dortmund as well. And they've just been blown apart. And obviously I touched on it last week in the, with the comment that they bully the other teams in the Bundesliga because they do, even in terms of not just on the pitch, but oh, off, the, off the pitch. The, the Nagelsmann stuff, Luf and Mancano, they just, they're, they're just, I'd hate, if I was German, I'd hate Bayern so much. I really would. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Leipzig, Leipzig are one of the most, if not the most hated club in, in German football. And yet, you kind of feel sorry for them that they've just lost such a... I mean, they was always going to lose um, Nagelsmann at one point or another. And the fact, and same with Upa Makano as well. But you know, they've still got an array of talent there and they'll still be up there for next season. But in terms of the leagues, I mean, I slightly disagree with what you said, Andy. I think personally the French league, especially this season, has improved vastly and... Although you haven't got that second team challenging them PSG every year, you've still had a team, you know, just just be behind them, whether that be Monaco, Lyon or Lille. But this season, obviously, you've got all of them, you know, now going at it. And yeah. like Alex said, obviously, Lille are going to lose a lot of their best players and probably their manager as well. This summer, which, you know, is a bit of a shame, but... It happens, and it's the same that happened to Monaco. But the job that Kovac has done as well at Monaco, you know, can't be understated because you, you look at that Monaco team when he took over, it it looked pretty shit, quite frankly. Like yeah. he had, you know, he had an, a, a really old Cesc Fabregas who looked past it. They had, you know, Ben Yedder and Jovetic up front who, you know, they, they they're on and off, but. The job he's done, I mean, Fabregas has looked, you know, brilliant when he's played. Um, ben Yedder just scores goals for fun. And even their youngsters. Um, Tushimani. Tushimani, I mean, what is an extraordinary talent. And they have such a, a good squad. If they can keep that squad and perhaps add to it in the summer, then absolutely. And if they keep Kovac as well. I mean, they've got, I believe they've got Paul Mitchell as director of football. Yeah, team. yeah. Yeah. See, this is this is the point I was gonna like. Naeem, before you finish off, like from Ryan, you made so many good points there. Like to sort of counter Andy a bit more as well, because like this would just be my thing. My ranking would go Premier League, um, La Liga. Then I think it's hard to displace. Probably, I think on at the moment the Bundesliga, then Liga, and then Serie A. And mm. for me, that's based off, I think, the quality in Serie A when I watch it. And this is coming from a slightly ignorant point because I don't get to watch it often. But one, the defending feels very, it feels like they give strikers a lot of space. And two, even Antonio Conte said recently, he said of Lukaku, 
he's flourishing it because in Italy they don't tend to pay attention to opposition players as much as they do in other leagues, which mm-hmm. I felt was quite eye-opening. It kind of inspired this thing. But I think with Ligue 1, reason I, I really bring this up is because, Ryan, you mentioned there how all the other teams are catching up. This is what I feel like. This feels like the birth of a top six like there was in the Premier League. Like This is, feels like the moment the PSG have been caught. That they've managed to sail away for a few years, but even if Lille drop away next sub uh, next year, Monaco are going to be up there. Lyon are still going to be up there. Marseille have just gotten Jorge Sampaoli and they're putting a new project in, so they're going to be up there. Rennes, you can be assured, are going to bounce back. Nice, as I said, they're putting a project together. Even Montpellier are doing really good. So it feels like there's this new era of competitiveness and there's investment. Like Monaco, like we just said, have got Paul Mitchell in the former Tottenham and Leipzig director. They've got uh, Nico Kovac. Uh, PSG are always going to be investing players in, and same with Lyon as well. And that's why I kind of feel like it's it's woken up. And I feel like in the f- like a few years' time, we're gonna we're we're gonna be considering Ligue 1 as one of the top 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 leagues. And it also feels like the just as a final point, the fodder in it, the sort of filling teams dropping away like Dijon and Nimes. They've been lucky to hang on in recent years. It looks like they're getting out of it. Whereas the teams left, I know you guys don't watch it often, but Strasbourg, Bordeaux, Lorient, they're at the bottom and they're quite solid teams. So it it like it, it just feels like the quality of the league has risen. I think it's I think it's outgrown fifth place. And especially like comparing it to Syria. I think it's overtaken Syria. It's a season away of competitivity and good quality of football to watch behind the Bundesliga. It just needs one more year like this. And then I think it's the third best league. But go on, Naeem. Yeah, um, yeah I, st- I still think, obviously, first first position probably will be Premier League in terms of, obviously, competitiveness. Uh, second, I'll probably go with the Liga because there are some quite quite good teams in there that are quite technical and everything like that. And third, yeah, I probably would say the French League, to be fair. like I know, obviously, PSG have won it quite a lot of times in the last last couple of years. I know Monaco won it in between in between mm. PSG's wins. But yeah, like people 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 online they'll they'll call the French League the Farmers League, but <laughs> they've they've done quite well um in Europe over the last couple of seasons and you know quite a lot quite a lot of the uh, great Premier League players do come come over from France. So I I think yeah I think I think with them yeah they they would be third. Uh fourth and fifth it probably fourth. I would probably say the Bundesliga because, by I mean, they're just they're just dominating, and I can't really see any other team really trying to trying to challenge and and win the league. And and with Serie A, obviously, I know this year Inter Milan are going to be winning the league, but obviously before that, Juventus they were just, they just kept dominating and winning the league. So yeah, with the French league, I'm quite I'm quite excited to see um, how they go on because yeah, they they've been doing good in Europe as well. So yeah. I'll say yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I would agree. I'd say it's probably the third best best league in um, in Europe now. It's, it's it's funny that obviously with the Farmers League comments that you always get from twelve year olds on Twitter that yeah. um, if any league has been the Farmers League this season, not yeah. not not in, not in terms of uh, well the Premier League definitely, but probably La Liga as well. I mean, you mentioned early Naim that Real Sociedad is seventeen points off the top four, like. When you look at that, and when you look at the competitiveness of, I mean, you do see some some shock results here and there, but with that, yeah, I, it's always been an ignorant comment, when, especially like as you say, when you get so much top talent coming from France as well, and you see how 
obviously their national team for me is probably the Dickens. best national team and well officially they are anyway but like for me I, I've never understood that and yeah when you get you know, it, it all stems from Twitter at the end of the day but yeah. I mean you know I, I, Italian football for me has been done here by being put last because I do agree with in terms of what you're saying about some of the defending and obviously some of the teams but this season obviously it's been a lot more competitive and mm. that ain't even down to Juventus losing you know not being themselves I think they've obviously they've gone with an inexperienced manager again in Pirlo but they've still got you know the likes of Ronaldo and Morata and you know so much top quality through them but one player who I'm really intrigued to see where he goes is the is the in the summer because he almost made the fatal mistake of going to Tottenham once and I hope he doesn't come near that again because <laughs> I love him at Arsenal but I can't see it happening. Yeah, yeah. to clarify, I do think I, th- I think the Premier League's far and away well not far and away, but it's pretty far ahead in terms of like just because of its financial power. But I do think the gap between the rest of the four leagues is very close. Like saying Serie mm. A's bottom, I don't think it like I don't mean it as in they're by far the worst. No. I mean they they're just like they they them league under the Bundesliga and the like seventy five percent of La Liga is all pretty much now on the same level. And I do think as well, just one thing on the Premier League, I think it's actually been the least fun to watch league this season. I think yeah. it's purely I think it's purely because the five subs across Europe's been brilliant because it's allowed teams to be a lot more physical and pressing. Whereas in the Premier League it's deep block after deep block after deep block and it's so plain and boring. Whereas yeah. in France, in Germany, in Italy and everywhere else, at least you've got like attacking teams and hopefully next season things go back to normal. But that's just one po- final point I wanted to make on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I will um also I will probably debate well, one of my debates in mind is about whether this season is the worst Premier League season of all time. So I will probably we'll probably go to that next week. I think we'll we'll do a debate on that when I go through the Premier League. Uh, but yeah, that that concludes all our league roundups. Some quick news, football news today on online. Um, the Premier League is talking about moving some of the last games to allow fans to be back in the stadium. Um, other news, I think, um, obviously. Spurs are looking to appoint a new summer, um, but the Ajax head coach Ten Hag has signed a one-year contract extension until <laughs> 2023, so he's probably ruled out, and Rodgers already has ruled himself out of the job. But one thing I actually discovered whilst on the podcast, there is a lot of talk on Twitter, as I mentioned before, Hazard being a new Coutinho and Owen, because he might see his old team win the Champions League. Um, Coutinho, there's a lot of talk about him going to Everton in the summer. Now, Ooh. I don't know what you boys think of this. It says, um, Everton shot many football fans this summer, last summer with the impressive signing of James Rodriguez. Now it looks like the Toffees are going to surprise more supporters uh, with Call to the Sun. I mean, we should take that as a pinch of salt, but Call yeah. to the Sun. Um, <laughs> the Blues are apparently already house hunting for Coutinho as they are so sure that he'll be arriving in Everton in a summer. I mean, this would be... I mean, he's already. I mean, I still don't hate him. But I think a lot of Liverpool fans still do hate him after leaving for Barca. Um, and I do think if, if he moved to Everton, it'd be it, it would definitely probably kill a lot of a lot of people's sort of um, people's sort of Coutinho. I mean, this would be a massive downgrade from Barcelona, if I'm honest, to go to um, to go to Everton. But be, I think it'd be a great signing if, as long as they play him centrally rather than out wide. Uh, well, what do you boys think of that? I, th- think? I think it's I think it's a bit harsh to say. Touchdown. Okay, on current. 
if they added no one else into the squad, right, I think it would be a downgrade. However, I think Everton, are a goalkeeper and a, a quality right back away from being a team that will be like Leicester and solidly qualify for the top four. It's just because Jordan Pickford is he the luckiest clubs. man in history to get into his in, into his nationals here. I don't understand how he's been picked. I have no idea. I think Nick Pope is a far better keeper than yeah. Jordan Pickford, but Southgate seems to love him. I don't know what it is. Because Southgate hasn't got a brain. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like I think all he needs is quality right back. In terms of the goalkeeper as well, I mean... I, uh, I I actually recently called the Eric Ten Hag thing. I knew for a, a couple of months that he wasn't going to be signing a contract extension. Um, but he was going to be signing a contract extension. I, I want to take up my crystal ball here and think a lot of a lot of clubs around Europe that get it for goalkeepers, the ones who need them, they'll be hunting for Gianluigi Donnarumma. But a certain Andrea Onana is not renewing his contract at Ajax. Ooh, wow! So if if Everton are going to be smart, they shouldn't spend their money on Coutinho. They should give Andre Nona be- the best wages he's ever seen on a bit of paper, get him to sign it, and then I think they are a big club in contention for the Champions League. And yeah, they've got, they've got one of the best managers in European football history. If you look at Ancelotti, then that's, that's a, probably a better yeah. signing than any lot of players they've bought over the last few years. Getting him in is just an amazing coup. So I do think if they're going to go far, it's because of, because of him. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, in terms of Coutinho, um, I would never ever count the Sun as a as a <laughs> credible source of news. I mean, it's I'm, I'm not going to go into it because I know Andy is an aspiring journalist, so I'm not going to go mental into the Sun. But with Coutinho, I would be absolutely shocked if he went to Everton. Not just because of the downgrade it would be, but also because would Everton I mean, I don't know what wages he's on at Barcelona, but I imagine that they are very high. And I mean, Barcelona are obviously desperate to get rid of him, as they are with a lot of their high earners, because obviously they need the money, and especially to reinvest in the summer, because it's a pivotal summer for them. Um, but we'll we'll go for a, a little transfer roundup you know, towards the end of the season. Yeah, def- um, definitely. Yeah, so... I think if he goes to Everton, it'd be a, be a good little fit for him because obviously you've got Hamas Rodriguez there. Um, probably the only reason why he is at Everton is because obviously he has played under Carlo Ancelotti. But mm. with Everton, I think they do need to focus more on the defence because Michael Keane and Yeremina, they're not they're not the greatest of defenders. And if they no. want to try and break into the Europa League places next season, I know they still can they can still do it this season. But if they want to try and push a bit more. Um, I think they need to work, focus a bit more on the defence, but. Yeah, if he goes there, I think he'll do well there. Like, Hamas Rodriguez has done done well there because everyone but kind of forgot about him. But but they both they both play in the same position. Same don't they? They're both number tens. Yeah, so that's the thing, isn't it? That's um, how you'd integrate them both into the same squad. Maybe they're going to do a version. Do you remember the summer they got like Davy Clarson and Sigurdsson <laughs> no, and someone yeah. like three attacking <laughs> midfielders? All they need to get is Coutinho and Isco, and then they've repeated that just on a better level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much didn't didn't they pay like forty odd million for Sigurdsson? Was oh, more yeah, than that. Was. No, I think it's fifty. Fifty million for Gilfie Sigurdsson. I mean, crazy. Fuck. That's when you know football's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, they spent they spent uh, forty million on a Wobie, so you know it says it all there. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> that that that's that's the biggest scandal. That is that they spend that much on a Wobie. 
I don't know how we managed Arsenal. to get that much money for him. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how the same sporting director who's done these deals has just got a new contract. Mental. <laughs> 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 that's, that's it's like we managed to get. Was it? I can't. Remember, it was a great fee for Jordan Ibe. I think I remember. The, I can't remember what the fee was now, but I remember the. Bournemouth is absolutely overpaying for um, Solanke as well, but also Jordan Ibe. Just both think, of them. Just didn't they pay like eighteen million for Ibe and then twenty odd for yeah, Solanke? I yeah, I think I think we what we got from those two sales was the same amount of money we paid for Sadio Mane. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you when you think about when you think about Liverpool and you actually give it thought, they have made like if you talk about Solanke, Jordan Ibe and Brewster, they have made probably like a hundred million on at least a thousand lost jobs on teams that have been relegated. Yeah, I mean <laughs> My- Michael Edwards has just done some amazing business. I mean the um I mean obviously we bought Tina for eight million, sold him for hundred and twenty million and with that money we got Alison and Van Dyke. So I do think we did some excellent. Just our business in the last year has been excellent. We just we seem to buy. I mean, Marnie's thirty-two million pounds. That seems an absolute steal. Not based on the last few months, but over his Liverpool career, that's an absolute steal. I mean, Salah thirty-five million. Same with that. Firmino was was the same kind of money as well. And all those three players have been such good players for us. And I do think a lot that, of that goes down to Michael Edwards. Yeah, and as well, that is also what happens when you have a team going through such a successful period that. The clubs look at those players that they have and they think, well, if they're in Liverpool squad at the moment, they must still be talented and Mm. they're going to always pay that little bit extra. And that's why Arsenal have made such poor decisions on their transfers and have lost so much money. And one that always, always annoys me is how we sold Chesney to Juventus for 12 million. Mental, isn't it? That always annoys me. But yeah, we, we won't go there. But yeah, that concludes the second episode of Eurotrips podcast. Um, Alex did allude to it earlier. If you can find for us, him and Arsenal Fan TV, we will put it on the Twitter once the um, blackout ends on social media. If Alex, mm. if you can find for us the clip of you and Arsenal Fan TV, we'll, we will put it on the Twitter so you guys can sort of see him, see him with um, Don Robbie. Sure. Oh, I wish it was Don Robbie. I, I wish. I, I, soon I'll be, soon I'll be with him. But it's with the wonderful man Turkish. But. Oh, yeah, right, I'll yeah. find that I'll find that clip still. Yeah, if you can find it, send it to me, Ryan or Naeem, and we'll um, get that on the socials. Wonderful, wonderful. But yeah, that that is all we've got time for. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Um, do check us out on YouTube and all the social media sites. Uh, and yeah, that that is it. So I've been Andy. This has been Naeem, Alex, and Ryan. Uh, and all the best. See you later, guys. I'll <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>